0: Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to Matthew chapter 17, and Matthew chapter number 17, and we have been looking at uh, biblical texts and messages on the subject of issues of life, things that the Word of God tells us, um, how to deal with different uh, things, different issues, and our Theme verse for that is, is Proverbs four twenty three, which says, "Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life." So everything comes from the heart, and so, and so in, in Matthew chapter seventeen, um, we have sung tonight about faith. Um, we have heard testimonies of saving faith. And so um, tonight we're going to take a look at the subject of unbelief, which seems kind of a contrast to what we've just been um, look, listening to and singing about um, this evening, but um, I think you'll find it helpful. And so we're going to begin in, in Matthew chapter 17, starting in verse 18, and we'll just read down to verse 21, and then we'll pray, and then we're going to go back to the beginning of the chapter and look at some things uh, in this account, in the life of of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Matthew 17 verse 18 it says, And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Now before we pray and get in the message, I want you to understand that the Lord Jesus was talking to his disciples. He was talking to people who had already believed in the Lord Jesus. And so unbelief can be an issue for us, for Christians. And so let's pray, and then we'll get into it. Father in heaven, we are so thankful tonight to be able to be here. We thank thee for these great hymns that we can sing. We thank you for Joshua and how he's developing as a piano player. We're so grateful. We're thankful for Christ, our Savior. We're thankful for the Word of God. Father, tonight... I realize that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And So even tonight, as we go through this passage, um, pray, please, Lord, guide us by the Holy Spirit. Help us not to um, stagger because of unbelief. Uh, We pray, Lord, that you would help us even that we would not withhold blessings from ourselves uh, through unbelief. And Lord, just guide us, we pray, in Christ's precious name, amen. Now, the Bible is, is abundantly clear. One of the great themes all throughout the Scripture, especially the New Testament, is this. We are saved, the Bible says, by grace through faith. We know that, right? Faith. Um, the Bible says also that we live by faith and we walk by faith. That faith is comprised of or involves faith in God, faith in Christ, and Faith in the written word of God. So we have to trust the word of God and God and Christ. Um, and faith of the word, faith in rather, the word of God is so very important. The Bible teaches us about God and about Christ. The Bible teaches us about ourselves, and it is it is the most reliable book on the subject of ourselves, on the subject of man. You know, there's a lot of philosophies out there. You can go to college and you can study anthropology, which is the study of man. Unfortunately, most of that is contrary to the Word of God, and so you get. You know, it all depends. You know, we hear a lot um, about worldview today, and you know that that's where that's where it starts with a person. Worldview is the is the idea of how they view the world and how they view life and how they view mankind and all, all these other things. And obviously. If a person's view is not Bible-based, then they're going to be open to all kinds of philosophies and and all kinds of evil that is being proclaimed all around us in this day. So it's important that we um, stay focused on the Word of God. So the Bible teaches us these things. It teaches us also how to live in obedience to God. The Bible teaches us that which is pleasing to God, and it teaches us what is not pleasing to God. It's, it is so great. I'm so thankful that God's word teaches me and teaches you, teaches us how to walk, how to, to live in a way that will please the Lord. Now as we look at Matthew 17, starting back in verse 1, tonight we'll notice that the disciples were unable to cast a demon out of a man's son, even though the Lord Jesus had given them power to do so. All right. Now, we are just kind of let this unfold, and so we're going to talk tonight a little bit about the subject of unbelief. Now, let's go back to chapter 1, because um, we start here. In fact, we're going to back up to, to the, the last verse of chapter 16. Jesus is talking in chapter 16, among other things, the Lord is talking about building his church upon the rock that is himself. Then um, he's talking to them, and near the end of the chapter about how he's going to how he's going to die on the cross, and then he's going to be he's going to rise again, and that was all foreign to the disciples. They didn't get that, and, and even Peter spoke against it. And so the Lord said, "Get thee behind me, Satan!" Is realizing that it was the devil was influencing Peter at that point. Well, then he goes on down into the end of the chapter, chapter sixteen, and verse twenty-eight. He says, verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And so it goes right into chapter 17. There's no break in the action or the narrative. It says, and after six days. So after after Jesus made that statement, made that promise, and in verse 28 he goes, six days later it says, After six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And so the Lord Jesus Christ here, um, first thing we want to look at tonight a little bit is the transfiguration of Christ. So what happens in the first part of chapter 17 is the fulfillment of Christ's promise in verse 28 of chapter 16. And so what the Lord is doing to encourage his disciples is giving them a preview of how, how he will look and the glory that will be his when he comes back to, for his kingdom. All right. And so they see him transfigured. And so what they're allowed to see some of the glory. I don't. I don't believe that they saw the full glory of Christ, the full glory of God, because they couldn't have, like us, they couldn't have lived if they'd have seen His full glory. But they saw a little bit. As as it were, God pulled back the human layers and and let the glory of Christ shine through. And the Book of Mark says, whiter than any fuller on earth could make them. His raiment, his garment, his and his whole countenance shine forth with his glory, with the radiance of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he did this, and, and as, we, as, we, as we would look at events unfolding in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, it was going to be not too long after this, he was going to be betrayed, arrested, or taken to the, to the mock trial there, and crucified. And things were going to be difficult for, for the disciples. And so they needed this encouragement, the Lord knew that, and so he gave them this encouragement of what was going to be. All right? And so he did that. Let's, let's read through um, some more of chapter 17. And it says, Behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias. talking with them. Elias is the New Testament spelling of Elijah in the Old Testament. So they also appeared. Again, the other Gospels say that they spoke to Christ about his decease, about his coming death and his departure. All right? Uh, then answered Peter and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. Alright, so Peter says, it's really good, this is great. We're on the mountain, this is glory, and let's just stay here a while. Let's build, we're going to build tabernacles. Interesting, one for me, one for Moses, one for Elias. And as well he has spake, all right, behold a bright cloud overshadowed them. Right. And behold a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Right, so, the voice of God the Father, um, that's at least the second time that in the book of Matthew it talks about God speaking from heaven. That The first one was at Jesus' baptism. This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. And here, hear the same thing. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. So the, the, the Father, God in heaven, So the disciples reminded them, you need to listen to Christ. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid, obviously. Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And these disciples had been with the Lord now for about three years. And yet there was a lot of things that they didn't understand yet. And the biggest, it seems like the biggest obstacle that they, for them to overcome, was this thought: was Jesus saying that He had come to die? Remember, we're, talk, we're talking about Jewish men here, and they were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for Christ, and they they had come to believe that Jesus was that Messiah. He was that Christ, but yet they were looking for the kingdom right then. And in fact, it took them a while to get that to get the idea that the kingdom was going to be later. Remember even when Jesus promised was met with them in Acts one, just before he went back to heaven, they said, "Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They're still thinking about that kingdom." And Jesus said, "It's not for you no. the times, nor the season which the Father hath put into his own power, but you shall re- ye shall receive power, After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And so, again, the Lord teaching them, you know, right up to the moment that he, he ascended, went back to heaven, telling them what you need to be focused on, what you need to be prepared for is to take the gospel all over the world, and he said, you'll, get, you'll receive power for that when the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, comes upon you. Of course, that happened, it's recorded in Acts chapter 2 under the we're not, They're not there yet, they're not ready for that yet, and so they're still thinking about the kingdom. And of course, Moses and Elijah were very important characters in the Old Testament, very important to the people of Israel. And that's almost like, you know, that, the, that Peter was kind of equating them with the Lord. We're going to make one for you, one for Moses, one for Elias. And then God interrupts and says, This is my beloved Son. Hear ye him. All right. So they were afraid. Verse 7, Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. So, so basically the vision of transfiguration is over with, and Moses and Elijah are back in glory, and so it's Jesus, Peter, James, and John. So, as every mountaintop experience ends, so they had to go back down, <laughs> literally and figuratively, back down to the real world, so to speak, right? Now, I want to say one, one other thing. Um, every day, you know, we can have a mountaintop experience with the Lord in His Word and in prayer, all right? And hopefully when you, even when we get together, there's there's something in the service that will be an encouragement, and be uplifting. And our, our time together it, you know, is it should be a time of blessing and encouragement and joy and all those things. But when we walk out those doors, you know, it's back to the real world. Right, like like I used to kid our brother here back salt mines. You know, because has to go back to work and all those kinds of things. Um, so it was time to go down. Verse 9, as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them saying, tell the vision to no man until the son of man be risen again from the dead. So don't tell anybody till after my resurrection. And I think that's pretty obvious why people are trying to get him to become king, and if they spread the word about this, they'd be all over him. You know, come on, be king now. We, we, we've we seen that. Or it, it, it mentions in John 6, after he fed the multitude, that they were going to come by force to make him king. So not, not willing to listen to the word of God. You see, they, under, they didn't understand that they needed a savior more than they needed a king at that time. And he came to save, first of all. And so there's, there's other questions and things. Well, let, let's, um, they ask about Elias in verse 10. And his disciples ask him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come, or Elijah? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. And that's, talk, that's prophesied in the book of Malachi. But I say unto you that Elias has come already. And they, have, they knew him not, but have done unto them whatsoever they listed, or whatever they desired. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. And so Jesus said, Elias has already come. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. Right? And as we continue in our morning services going through the book of Luke, we'll see John the Baptist's ministry. And we will see the same people who opposed the Lord Jesus also opposed John the Baptist and he ended up being put to death of course through King Herod and all those kinds of things but so here the Lord says that that the prophecy in Malachi was at least partially fulfilled or initially fulfilled in the coming of John the Baptist. In fact, remember, we just looked over that a few weeks ago, and when the angel Gabriel appeared to Zacharias, one of the things he said was that this child, John, will go in the power of, of Elias, or Elijah, and in the, the spirit and power of Eli- Elijah. So he came, he, did, he fulfilled his ministry. So the disciples were correct that he, he was referring to the ministry of John the Baptist. And then they went, and so the second thing, so we have the transfiguration of Christ, and we call that the encouragement for the disciples. But then the second thing we see tonight is the humiliation of the disciples. Starting in verse 14. And when they were come, come to the multitude, <clears throat> so in other words, they're, they're back down, they're down off the mountain, they're walking toward, and here's a multitude gathering. They've got it already, in fact. There came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic. Um, that is, the idea there is of, 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 of paralysis and seizures, um, similar to what we would call epilepsy, those kinds of things today. And sore vex, he's severely troubled. For oftentimes he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. So this boy, this young man was demon-possessed, and through that, the power of the demons in him, he often fell into the fire and and often into the water. Obviously, that's the devil's design to try to destroy, all right? And so he had a a hold of this young man. Um, We're going to take a look at another passage in just a moment, but let's stay here for a while. Verse 6, so he yeah, has, this is the situation. Obviously a desperate situation, all right? Um, we have several dads here tonight who have had children. And, you know, you would, be just, you would just be beside yourself if th- something like this happened to one of your children. You, and so uh, they came to the disciples, and they, they brought him, and, and they, the disciples could not cure him. Verse 16, then Jesus answered and said in verse 17, faithless and perverse generation how long shall I be with you how long shall I suffer you in other words tolerate you in other words Jesus is saying I you know I'm not going to be here much longer I won't be able to deal with these situations personally you need to have some faith you need to be able to handle these things soon because I'll be gone um, now keep then he says, "How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me." All right. And now let's stop for just a minute. Let's go back to Matthew ten. Let's turn to Matthew ten. So I wanted to show you something here. In, in Matthew ten, and it simply, we're going to simply look at verse one. Okay. Matthew ten, verse one. It says, "And when he had called unto him." His twelve disciples, he gave them power. I get that. He gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And then it goes on down, later down, further down the chapter, he gives them directions and instructions and commands. So they've already received that power. From the Lord. Okay, So keep that in mind. Let's go back to chapter 17. But they they could not cure him. They could not um, cast out this evil spirit that possessed um, this young man. So at the end of verse 17, Jesus says, Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil that is the evil spirit, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Right? Now, we're going to be coming back to, to Matthew in just a moment, but let's turn to Mark chapter 9, because here is the same account um, written by Mark. And we'll give us a little more details. Again, we're going to start in the same place, the same account, uh, Jesus Christ in the early part of Mark 9 is up on the mountain, same situation, and then they come down off the mountain, and the same thing, the, the, the man comes and says, I brought my son, and um, in fact, let's pick it up, verse 17, one of the multitude, Mark nine seventeen. one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit, a mute spirit. In other words, one of the, one of the effects of this demon possession was that the boy could not speak. Right? And so as, we, as you read through the Gospels, you'll find out that demon possession had different effects on people. And, where, and verse 18, here's the further description. And wheresoever he taketh him, in other words, the devil this leads him around, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And, when, and they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the Spirit tear him. In other words, caused a seizure. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. All right. So this is a desperate situation to this father and to the son. And the reason I want us to turn to Mark 9 is because Mark adds some details that Matthew doesn't. And he asks his father... Jesus says to the father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? Now, of course, Jesus knew. And he said, of a child, since he was a child. And what's the Lord doing here? The Lord is drawing this man out. He's wanting him to understand that Christ is there. And as we sang tonight, God will take care of you. And so this man is beside himself he's desperate and Jesus said just just hold on just a minute just a minute. And in verse 22 the man the dad continues to say and oft times I like get this oft times they have cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. So Matthew said that, that he often f- went into the fire and into the water, but Mark adds a detail that this is the devil's work. This, because, this is how this, this demon possessing this man, young man led him, caused him to into the, go into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. Okay, then this. But if thou canst do anything... Have compassion on us and help us. Again, put yourself in the place of this man or in the place of his son. We would want the same thing. We we would want the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's interesting how he said it. If thou canst do anything, if, Lord, if he, or he did, did he say Lord? No, he didn't say Lord. But if you can do anything, if you've got any power at all, have compassion on us and help us. You know, the Bible says that oftentimes that Christ was filled with compassion, moved with compassion. But notice the way the natural man views the compassion. If you care for us, do something. They don't they don't they don't get that. The the whole the big picture of, of his compassion was such that he came and died for us. To do the most important thing, save us from our sins. But listen, look at verse 23. Jesus said to him, "If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth." And so the Lord Jesus Christ wanted to teach this man. You know, he, he wasn't he wasn't torturing this man. You know, he wasn't trying to make things worse for this man. He simply real, letting, him, letting him know there's something more important, and that's faith. Believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway, verse twenty-four, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, "Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief." In other words, help, help me to get out of this unbelief. Help, help me, help me to, to go beyond my state of unbelief. Help me to have faith. Right? And so then Jesus rebuked again. He rebuked the foul spirit. Verse 25, saying to him, thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore, tore him, and came out of him. And he was as one dead. And so must it. Many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Perfectly whole, perfectly cured. The devil's gone. And he said, "Don't ever go into him." And he charged the devil, "Don't ever go into him again." Thou dumb and deaf spirit, so he couldn't hear either. Well, back to Matthew 17. Let's bring it a little bit further. So he heals him, as, it was, as we're told in Matthew 17, and also in Mark chapter 9. The young man is now free. From the, from the devil from the possession so that was the humiliation of the disciples they were they couldn't do it and then we find the explanation by Christ verses 19 to 21 then came the disciples to Jesus apart so in private in other words after this is all over with and everybody's gone they came to the lord and they said why could not we cast him out oh that's a very important question, right? They were his disciples. He had called them. He'd been telling them, and he'd been sending them out as a, you know, to, as for experience, for lack of a better word, training, because that was what they were going to do. And they knew that when he said "follow me," that he was expecting a lifelong commitment, and that he had ministry for them to do. And so, and back in back chapter 10, as we read just a little while ago, he gave them power. And so now they want to know, why could not we cast him out? Now, I, I give the disciples credit for one thing here. They recognized where the problem was. That it was with them, not with the Lord. They said, well, you know, we're, I realize that there's something missing here, or something wrong. Why couldn't we? Why couldn't we? Why couldn't we? And you know what Jesus said, verse 20, notice, Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith, as a grain of mustard seed. That's pretty tiny. I remember years and years and years ago preaching a message on mustard seed faith, and I gave everybody a little piece, a grain of a mustard seed. Not very big. And so for people to debate who's got bigger faith, who's got more faith, that's uh, just crazy. In fact, one other time, the disciples said to the Lord, increase our faith. Jesus said if "You had faith. Same thing, the size of a mustard seed. Um, so it's not the size of our faith. But it's who our faith is in, all right, in the Lord. Now let's go on. Let's read this three through. If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, "Remove hence to yonder place," and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now I've really become convinced that uh, the Lord is using this t- this illustration of a tiny little mustard seed because it's not about there. It's not. The size of their faith, but it's the Christ, it is the Lord that we trust in. Um, they were, you know, as you as you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you find the disciples in, in all kinds of different situations, and, and a lot of times they were they were in difficult situations. They're out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And this happened, it's recorded two or three different times where the storm comes up. And one time Jesus is walking on the water. <laughs> Another time he's asleep in the ship. And they cried out. And the Lord said both times, where's your faith? Why did you doubt? I think of the one in Mark where Jesus said, told them to get to a ship. He said, depart to the other side. All right? depart to the other side all right and the Lord Jesus and I'm saying this reverently, he wasn't a prankster he wasn't a trickster. He didn't say, I want you to get in the boat and start across the sea and when you get about halfway across the big storm's going to come the boat's going to sink and you're all going to drown. He didn't say that He said go to the other side. Well they got to the middle and the, you know all these things started happening and then Jesus is walking on the water and he gets in there. Well, of course, in Matthew, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, bid me come out in the water. He said, come. And I don't know, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to read into the scripture what it doesn't say, but Peter starts walking towards Jesus. And it doesn't say, you know, what was going through his mind, or, but, but it does say that all of a sudden he took his eyes off the Lord and started looking around. Saw the wind, saw the waves, and he said, he started to sink. So he took his eyes off the Lord. Literally, you know, physically took his eyes off the Lord and also spiritually. So can I suggest to you that for the believer, faith is simply keeping our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus. And so then, you know, the Lord instructed him. He said, why did you doubt? Where's your faith? So He's going through these, allowing them to go through these these times of testing, times of trial. And if you read the book of Acts, you find out that after Jesus left, they were in many difficult situations. Sometimes, you know, death. James, the brother of John, was put to death. And so Peter in prison, all these different things. And so they needed to learn To rely on the Lord, all right, in order to follow Him, and so they had to learn by experience, so to speak. And so um, He tells them about this about faith. Again, I believe that the emphasis here is not you know don't try to don't try to manufacture this big faith. Just just trust in God because it's not of us. Later on, Jesus would say to the same disciples, without me, ye can do nothing. And then Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. So nothing without him, everything with him. That's that's a lesson we have have to learn. All right, but then 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 verse 21. How be it? In, In other words, having said that, this kind... Goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. So the Lord is saying that these kinds of cases, if you will, these situations, like this young man, this child possessed with devil, if you're going to cast him out, if you're going to have victory in these situations, it takes prayer and fasting. So it's not a blank check. It's not a magic wand, this power that he gave them. But it requires prayer and fasting. And is is not that the case with everything in our life? We need to depend upon God. We need to pray. And yes, fasting is biblical, except we're not allowed to tell each other, right? That's what Jesus said. If you don't let anybody know, you know, don't put dirt on you and do all these things, but do it in private, all right? Now, not sure. Possibility. Possibly they they thought, well, we've got this power so we can do this. And they maybe underestimated the power of the enemy and and the situation that they were in. Now, in closing, I I just want us to look at three passages of scripture kind of to relate to this, what Jesus was teaching his disciples here, even the failure of the disciples at this point. First of all, Hebrews chapter 4. Let's go there. there there were, I should say, many times in the scriptures when Jesus Christ was on the earth with his disciples where he gave them the word of God. He gave them instruction. He gave them commandments. He gave them direction. Go here. Go there. Do this and preach this and all those kinds of things. And he gave them power. Right? And so Let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 4. Let us therefore fear, verse 1, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The good news. He's actually talking about Israel in the wilderness. God, Moses, God through Moses pro- gave promises to the whole nation, but they didn't believe it. Many times we read in the in the you know in um, Exodus and and beyond, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It describes many of the situations. And the book of Psalms often comments on their unbelief and their rebellion, their refusal. You know, they got right up to the brink of the land and they wouldn't go. Remember that the spies came back. You know, and so they, they believed, the, the, you know, ten 12 spies, um, ten were bad, two were good. Um, and so they believed the ten, and rather than the two, uh, Joshua and Caleb reminded them of God's promise and encouraged them in faith. said, no, 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 can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. So that's what Hebrews right, Hebrew is talking about when he says the word preached did not profit them. So the problem and again the, the, the problem was not with God's word or God's promises the problem was with them. it says this not being mixed with faith in them that hurt it right So it's absolutely important that when God speaks his word, God gives a promise we believe it we act on it. by the way, belief faith is in is taking action when God says something, then we do it. And we, we believe that he's going to accomplish things. He's going to do what he said. All right, let's take a look at um, 2 Timothy chapter number 1. And I want to compare this to the power that Christ gave his disciples. Second um, Timothy. I hope if I said sec- first, I mean second. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 1. The um, Bible says that God calls people and God equips people. God gifts people for service, for ministry. And such one of those people was Timothy. All right, Timothy was definitely called by God and he was instructed by Paul. And so in the, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, he says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which was in thee by the putting on of my hands. And so Paul's talking there about how, you know, when he laid hands on Timothy and ordained him and and set him apart for the gospel, at that time God also gifted him, Timothy, at least the gift of pastor-teacher, all right? But But isn't it interesting what Paul says to him? Stir up the gift of God. Now, have you ever been at a campfire or any kind of a fire? where you're burning stuff, um, I can't say it too loud, I guess we're not supposed to do that these days, but no, if you're, you're burning papers or burning have a campfire and the fire starts to die down and you kind of take a stick or something and you kind of, you know, you stir it up a little bit and kind of, you know, if there's, and some of the papers are kind of stuck together where you open those up or you, you have a campfire, you, you kind of stir it up and turn the wood a little bit, whatever, and the, fa- the flames, they'll flare up again, right? And that's the word stir up means to rekindle or fan the flame. That's the idea of that that word stir up. So what is he saying? He's saying, yes, Timothy was gifted by God, but if he just said, okay, I've got the gift, I don't have to do anything, you know, just go for it. No, there has to be that stirring up. There has to be study. There has to be prayer. In fact, Paul said to Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God. So we feed that, we nourish that gift. Again, how? Through the Word of God. Through equipping ourselves more and more with Scripture. By spending time in prayer. And then by doing, by exercising what God has given to us. Alright, and then one last passage along the same line. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. And in chapter 5 of Hebrews, the writer, I'm just pointing this out. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, talking about Christ and the order of Melchizedek and the New Testament priesthood and all those things. He says, of whom, Hebrews five eleven. we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. So these ones he's writing to, they are being influenced by the ones trying to take him back under the law and all those kinds of things, and so they become dull of hearing. They weren't ready to listen to the word of God. So he says this to them, for for when for the time ye ought to be teachers. In other words, for the, for the time that you've been saved, you ought to be teaching others. You Ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of of the oracles of God, in other words, the, 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 the words of God, the commandments, the statutes of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. And of course, milk is the milk of the word, the simple things, and meat is the deeper things. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now, that's okay if somebody's been saved six months, but if someone's been saved 30 years, there's, they shouldn't be a babe, they should not still be a babe in Christ, all right? But then this, is, then this verse, I really want us to get this. But strong meat, that is the deep things of the word of God, belongeth to them that are of full age, those that are grown up, those that are mature, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So in other words... Being exercised, like going to the spiritual gym, that's the idea there. I'm going to exercise by living out these principles, learning the principles of God's Word, putting them into practice, yes, proclaiming them to others. And by the way, that's one of the reasons that Jesus sent out the disciples. So they could practice what they were learning. And I mean practice in the right way. They could gain experience in ministry. Okay? And that's what they did. And that's what um, I remember back in the day when we, when we went to Bible college um, there in Canada. And most every Bible college back in those days did the same thing. They, they basically required us students to do work, to do ministry. All right? Sometimes it was in the church. For example, I mean, for one thing I got to, I was given a Sunday school class. Right um, after I became a member, after I transferred my membership to Victory Baptist at Prince Albert, um, we, we were doing that. And, and Jan, and some of the ladies would go. They did children's ministry, joy clubs, and stuff like that. And a couple other guys and I, they sent us to a place fifty miles or so away where they were trying to reopen a church that had been closed. And so they really they encouraged us, and they, they gave us these opportunities. And we didn't, we didn't know really the first thing about ministry, but they sent us out. They said, listen, you're learning this stuff in class, put it into practice. So that's the idea of, of Hebrews 5.14. It's the ones that have, have been practicing, have been exercising spiritually. They're the ones that grow, they're the ones that are mature, and the more you grow, the more you can handle, so to speak. Alright? So, there's a principle there, and so um, we're going to, this is Probably have at least one other message on the subject um, of, of unbelief and faith and all those kinds of things um, and trusting in God, <clears throat> but it is our life is a life of faith. Ministry is a ministry of faith. Just simply believing uh, in the Word of God and doing the things that God tells us to do in His Word. All right. And there's differences, um, you know. From ministry today is different than ministry was in Jesus' day. Um, he gave certain power to his apostles. The word of God seems indicates to me very clearly that we don't have the power that the apostles had. There's a reason for that. Maybe we'll talk about that in a message ahead. Um, I've never cast out a demon. I've never tried to cast out a demon. Um, I don't have the power. I was not given that power. We didn't understand that. But what do we have? We have the gospel. And I've talked to people that I'm pretty sure were under the devil's influence what did I do? I just gave him the gospel, and I've people I've I've seen a few people, a couple people I can think of years and years ago, who were really being held by the devil, but the, the gospel was given. They, they trusted in Christ. They they received Him, and the power of the devil was broken. And so, anyway, those are those are some things. Hopefully, in, in the days ahead, we'll we'll cover more of these things. Faith. You know, it was James who said, "Show me thy faith without." By works, I will show thee my faith by my works. See, we're not saved by works, but the Bible says we're saved unto good works. All right. God bless. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time we can have in Thy Word and help us to trust in the Word of God, trust in the power of God. Father, you have placed us uh, in, in difficult days. Uh, in some ways, the things that are going on around us. Um, And yet, so, but Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to go with the sword of the Spirit and help us to be armed with all the armor of God that we might be faithful, that we might stand, and that we might have an impact on the lives of those around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's um, take our hymn books once again. Turn, please, to hymn number 340. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. And the hymn, uh, closing hymn tonight, nearer, still nearer, close to thy heart. So, obviously the closer we get to Christ, the better we're we're equipped. 340, alright, let's stand please. Let's sing, we're going to sing all four verses. This is a tremendous hymn. It's a hymn of dedication. It's a hymn of aspiration that is that is a hope and a desire of our heart when it comes to, to our life with the Lord. And so we're going to sing this. And again, if, if we can be of help to anybody tonight, we would love to do that. Nearer, still nearer.
1: still near close to thy heart draw me my Savior so precious thou art fold me oh fold me close to thy breast. Shelter me safe in that haven of rest. Shelter me safe in that haven of rest. Nearer, still nearer, nothing I bring, not as an offering to Jesus my King, only my sinful, now contrite heart Grant me the cleansing Thy blood doth impart Grant me the cleansing Amen. Uh. Up and its pride Give me but Jesus My Lord crucified Give me but Jesus My Lord Crucified Nearer, still nearer While life shall last Till safe in glory My anchor is cast through endless ages Ever to be Nearer, my Savior Still nearer to Thee Nearer, my Savior you're still nearer to Thee.
0: And when the Lord said, or Bible said, draw an eye to God, He will draw an eye to you. That means He wants to do that. He wants to be near to us and He's always with us. We understand that. All right? Um, let's have a word of prayer as we close. Brother Robert, would you pray for us, please? Our dear Lord and dear Father, we thank You so much So much for being our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, again. We love you and we praise things in your blessed name. Amen.